Hello and welcome to the Honest Politics Podcast. My name is Alex Gamsik and I am the founder of Honest Politics LLC. My company does high-level political consulting, but not for politicians. My clients are everyday Americans just like you and me. So let's get started. So today we're talking about public administration and punctuated equilibrium theory. So just to explain first, public administration is the implementation of government policies. So it's like the management of grants, of laws, of policies. How do you organize, plan, um, that kind of stuff. It was explained to me public policy is more the introverted sit behind a computer and figure out which policies are best. Public administration is the extroverted, I'm going to implement these policies. Here is, we know how to build a road. I'm going to go out and build that road by getting together organizers and that kind of thing. That's public administration. Uh, Punctuated equilibrium theory is really useful for the policy process, finding out how policies get passed. Punctuated equilibrium theory is a term borrowed from geology. It's like a slow pressure building up and then a sudden change. Think of, say, healthcare policy, where there's been decades of slow buildup leading up to Obamacare, and then Obamacare was a quick, sudden change. It's a puncture in the equilibrium. It's seen in all kinds of different policy areas. So the punctures in the equilibrium come from two different phenomena. Disproportionate information processing, which means um, like there's a cert- like a ton of information at once versus not much information at all. See, policymakers, think of uh, someone on Capitol Hill. They have a limited policy attention. They can only pay attention to so many things at one time. And uh, that means you're going to ignore a policy or something for a while or under uh, underappreciate it. And then suddenly, say um, something important happens, you quickly focus on that, and now that you're completely focused on it, more likely that stuff's going to get passed. Think of a, unfortunate. I hate to use this example, but a shooting, a school shooting. People might not think about gun violence all the time until it's plastered on the news 24-7. That's where the puncture in the equilibrium can occur. Um, this in other policy process models is called a focusing event. So when something really important happens that captures national attention, it has the potential to be a focusing event, and that has the potential to create policy change. I hate to use this example again, but it's the clearest one. For 9-11, think of airplane safety policy. Now, airplanes had had safety problems in the past where they would get hijacked, but until 9-11, there were no real um, no real pushes to get regulations on airplane doors and uh, screening before you get on the plane. Right after that, puncture in the equilibrium of airplane safety policy. Now airplanes are probably some of the most secure um, places you can be in this country. So we have disproportionate information processing. We also have institutional friction. That is why it takes so long and there's so many, uh, so much time between policy changes. It's the checks and balances within a system. It's the amount of bureaucratization within a system. And it can make it so that it takes so long for policy to emerge that once it does, it's on a big level. 
Now I'm going to start talking directly about the article, which was written by um, Professor Carla Flink, who was actually my professor at American University for Budgetary Policy. But when she wrote this, she was at the, um, she was an assistant professor in the Department of Public Administration at the University of Texas at San Antonio. And for this study that she conducted, she actually used public, um, public schools within Texas to represent public organizations and try to observe punctuated equilibrium theory through um, the budgets within these public organizations. She focused on the core budget, which was uh, spending per pupil, because, like instructional spending per pupil, because usually in budgets, if there's ever a budget cut for um, just strictly financial reasons, then they would take out other programs first, like arts or sports. By focusing on instructional, which was rarely changed for financial reasons, it looked at policy changes that led to an increase or decrease in spending. She broke this down into really big changes in spending in a positive direction, which would be um, positive punctuation, medium changes, so like just not as big of a puncture in the policy subsystem. She focused on incremental tiny changes, or um, and then also in the negative direction, medium changes in uh, negative punctures. Her study was a little more unique than most studies in that she looked at both directions, positive and negative. Some scholars just look at, has a puncture occurred? Did this change just happen? And instead of breaking it into medium and full-on punctures, they just looked at, did a puncture happen or did it not? By um, breaking it down into these categories, Professor Flink did a better job of breaking down more precisely what's going on within this data set. In terms of budgetary policy, budgets aren't... Um, Professor Flink made the point that um, connects to the previous podcast on ethics. So budgets are not natural. They're human-made phenomena, and they're within a human subsystem. Humans enact budgets and pass budgets. So their outcomes depend on more than just their structural design. Think of the budget process for the federal government. When has a federal budget ever passed on time? You hear in the news about continuing resolutions and kicking the can down the road when it comes to funding the federal government. It's not exact, and it's very dependent on the humans that are trying to enact the policy. In public organizations, which are scrutinized by, public and by the public and public officials, a lot of public organizations are seen as underperforming, and part of this can be because there is a one-size-fits-all approach to their evaluation, even though they each have unique missions. Think of, like, uh, the Sierra Club. Well, that's not a public organization, really. But think of, like, an environmental organization and think of a public school. They measure completely different things, you know, like conserving the environment versus teaching children how to grow up, basically. They're very hard to measure, and they are completely different. So you can't just can't just apply evaluative measures to each in the same way. Um, that's uh, some of the uh, I don't want to say fluff, but it's some of the supporting details that went into this article. She had two hypotheses. One was that low performance decreases the expected proportion of incremental 
budgetary changes and increases the expected proportion of medium and punctuated budgetary changes. To break that down a little simpler, that means that if an organization has uh, better performance, then they're going to need fewer interventions from an outside force like the government. If they're underperforming, if the school's not doing too well, uh, and in this case it was measured by standardized test scores, the government might step in and make huge changes leading to punctures or medium changes in the budget. The second hypothesis talked about personnel, and it kind of stated that if you have high personnel instability, meaning there's high turnover of the teachers, then that means that decreases the expected proportion of uh, incremental budgetary changes. Higher instability in staffing will lead to uh, bigger changes in the budget. And she also talked about how sometimes high turnover isn't a bad thing in organizations. It might be good to keep the institution fresh with new ideas and a diversity of employees' perspectives. Um, but it is also not great if you're spending a ton of money hiring and firing a bunch of people. When she ran the numbers, the professor found that 68% of changes were incremental, so very small, and large punctuations were less than 0.6%, either very large or very small changes in the budget. In fact, they were so small that she kind of discarded the punctuations altogether. And it showed that in previous research, when researchers kind of lump medium and large changes together, it really, it really doesn't do justice to the, um, to the distribution of the puncture of the policy changes. I'm gonna get into a little bit of statistics here, so bear with me. These distributions are interesting. They have. These punctuated equilibrium distributions usually have a leptocuric curve, which if you're thinking of the normal bell-shaped curve, it means it has a very high peak and it's skinnier. So there's more tiny changes that are close to zero in the middle. That's why there's a high peak. And then the large changes on the extreme ends left and right are very few, which is why uh, there's not so much, many data points out near the wings, either a very high number of or very low number of standard deviations. And when she ran the numbers, she used a multinomial logit as the method of analysis, which basically is some uh, thing you put into Stata and it pops out some goodies. Th that's as far as I'm going to go, because I can talk about how it means dependent variable consists of categories that are unordered and discrete, calculates the probability of explanatory variables being in one category compared to a baseline category, and the baseline category was incremental change. I don't know how many of you care about that, but if you want to be a good political scientist, you need to learn these statistics, and it's one of the barriers to, you know, people conducting their own research. So if you really want to do well in political science, learn these statistics back and front when you have other professors coming to you asking about regressions and what kind of logits and probits they should be using, you know you've made it. <laughs> so uh, you should get a PhD in political science and when you do, study math. That is my advice. 
So, um, so you find organizations, her, her, her hypotheses, she found mixed results for, basically. I'm not gonna get into everything. You can read her article. I put the citation in the description. It found that as test performance improves in a school district, they're less likely to have non-incremental budgetary changes. So when a district is performing well, there seems to be less friction among decision makers that results in major pol- and it results in major policy changes. So part of what I'm talking about is medium positive budgetary changes went down as performance improved, but medium negative changes, as opposed to positive, did not seem to be affected by performance, which showed that it's good she measured the positive and negative sides of punctured equilibriums, whether the budgets went up or down, because there was a difference either way. Scholars often combined punctuations either as just they happened or they didn't, and they combined them as large and medium together versus incremental change, which from now on, it seems like there are differences in the positive or negative direction, and that should be taken into account. Um, it said that as turnover increased, organizations were more likely to have negative, medium, and punctuated change, but for positive, it was not statistically significant. So it found that small amounts of money taken away when there was more turnover occurred. So like even if a school district was having high turnover and it needed more resources to get back on its feet, the budget might have actually gone down. And this might have been the public reacting in a negative way to the school district, kind of punishing them for their lower performance in terms of teacher turnover. So I hope this explained at least a little bit punctuated equilibrium theory, which is important for realizing why sometimes we have long periods of inaction with policy, and then we have huge uh, spikes in activity when there's a focusing event or there's a shift in the policy attention or some new information comes to light. You might see a new policy, which is a massive change. So I recommend you read a little more on punctuated equilibrium theory. It is pretty interesting. There are other public uh, policy process theories. I'm not going to go into them now. But if you enjoyed this podcast, please come back next week. And hopefully I will find another article. Thank you to Professor Flink. And I'm sorry if I misinterpreted any part of your article. Let me know what you think of this podcast. Go to honestpoliticsllc.com scroll to the bottom, and let me know what you think. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, be interviewed about your political opinions and why you believe those things that you believe, share your perspective with others. Send me a message. Thank you for tuning in to the Honest Politics Podcast. My name is Alex Gamsik. Join me next week as we seek to discover the stories behind the statistics. The statistics.